tell you what, I'm so happy that you're here today. I believe that the Word of God, inspired by the Holy Spirit, will empower you to live a life beyond your most highest expectations. That God has a plan for your life that is so good and so wonderful that it just unfolds more and more as you walk with the Lord. Really, every day is sweeter with the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to be talking about the path, the plan, the race that God has for you to run. There is an individual calling that we each have, a race that we are called by the Lord to complete, an assignment that we all have. We want to talk about running our race. Praise the Lord. But before we jump into today's message, let's first receive the holy tithes and offerings. I would like to read a verse to you from the Holy Bible. This would be the third epistle of John, and this will be verse 1. So this is not the Gospel of John. This is the third epistle of John. It only has one chapter. Let's go to verse 1. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray, and the word pray can also be translated as a prayerful desire, a wish. Some translations actually say wish. Beloved, I pray, I desire and wish. Now remember, this is the elder John. This is the man that leaned his head on the Lord's chest and had a very close walk with the Lord Jesus. Now he is an elderly man, and look at the wisdom of what he says. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Right there in one verse, you have insight from the Word of God revealing God's will for your life pertaining to your finances and to the well-being of your body. You have prosperity and you have health in one verse. Beloved, I pray, I desire that you may prosper in all things. The word prosper there in the Greek to, means to have good success in life. It also denotes a path, a path that leads to good success. Praise the Lord. You know, the way that you hear some ministers who don't understand the revelation of faith, the revelation of prosperity, really the simple revelation that God is good, the way that you hear some of them talk, you would actually think that it would be God's will for you not to be prosperous, but to have a total collapse, meltdown, and, you know, just everything in life go off the cliff, so to speak. That they, they speak in a way where anything that would have a note of prosperity, anything that would have a note of abundance, anything that would have a note of God will actually come through for you, they speak in a way that they would just sweep all hope from underneath your feet and just really set you up to expect disaster. But my friends, the will of God is the Word of God. And the Word of God reveals God's perfect will for your life. God does not want you to be poor. God does not want you to be in poverty. Poverty was a curse, a byproduct of sin. It was a curse of the law. It says in Galatians 3.13 that Jesus Christ came to redeem us from the curse of the law. The whole package of the curse, everything that came from the foul offspring of sin, all of that has been, we have been redeemed from it through the shed blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, whom we have put our faith and trust in. So if Jesus has redeemed you from it, why would you want to live in it? God wants you to experience prosperity in all things. He wants you to have good success in your marriage, good success in your family, good success in your finances, good success in your investments, good success in your savings, good success in all that you put your hands to. Praise God. That you may prosper in all things and be in health. How about that? I tell you what, there are some ministers that say that God doesn't want you to be healthy. You know, uh, God will put sickness and disease on you to teach a lesson. 
but there are so many scriptures that just flat out refute that. There are so many scriptures in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament that clearly reveal 100% that God wants you living in hell. And here is one of them, a classic. This is the New Testament. I'm not trying to pull out some vague verse and, and you know, take it out of its context and endeavor to cause it to stand on its own. I am holding this verse up in light with all of the other scriptures of God's word that harmonize together that God wants you to have prosperity and health in your life. You don't ever have to apologize for anything that is of the Lord, that God brings into your life, that is God's stamp of endorsement. You receive it with thanksgiving, and you embrace it, and you say yes and amen to all the promises of God. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper. That denotes financial prosperity in all things, and be in health. Hallelujah. Drive sickness and disease out of your body. Hallelujah. Drive poverty mentality out of your mind. Praise the Lord. And uh, this, this whole thing hinges, financial prosperity, health in your body hinges on this amazing revelation. Watch this. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Your soul, the devotional life, your walk with the Lord is critical for you to experience the wonderful life that God wants you to have. You need to be in prayer. You need to be in the Word. You need to be into the things of God. You need to be running after God, pursuing God. If you ever lose your hunger for the Lord, immediately correct the ship and get it going back in the right direction. Everything that comes from the Lord, all blessings, all prosperity, walking in health, it all stems from a vibrant devotional life. Praise God. Never, ever drift from that because it all extends out from the prosperity of your soul. Prosper, be in health, just as your soul prospers. Your soul, which here is speaking of the whole nature of man. It talks about how Noah and eight, there were eight altogether that were saved. Noah and his wife and his uh, his children and their wives, they were all there together, and it says in the scriptures that eight souls were saved. So the word soul can be used as a reference to the mind, the emotions, and the will of man, but can also be used as a word that describes your whole compartment of life, the soul, the whole compartment of a man's life, and you want it to prosper in God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Verse 3, For I rejoice greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, just as you walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Would you like to walk in the truth of God's Word? Then believe verse 2. Believe that the truth of God's Word is that you prosper in all things and that you be in health. God doesn't want you to be sick. If a Christian believes that, they have not yet received the revelation of God's word of actually what Jesus did for them at Calvary. If they believe that God wants them poor, God wants them to struggle to learn some kind of ethereal lesson, they have not yet received the revelation of the transaction that took place at Calvary where Jesus took your poverty that you might be rich. Wow. Praise the Lord. There was a transaction. There was a switch. There was a change. He took our sins. He took our poverty. He took our sickness. He took our disease. And he took all that upon himself so that we might now receive his righteousness, his wisdom, his sanctification, his health. Woo, hallelujah. And on and on the blessings go. My friends, as you prepare now to bring the tithes and offerings into the storehouse of God, I want you to stand firm in the Word of God. The elder John said, I have no greater joy than to know that you are walking in the truth. 
and I want you to walk in the truth that God wants you to prosper, and you shouldn't feel guilty about having a good income. You shouldn't feel guilty about receiving a raise. You shouldn't feel guilty about your investments uh, quadrupling. You, you shouldn't feel guilty about these things. The world will try to put false guilt on you. But my friends, you can enjoy the blessings of the Lord. Remember, the Bible says that the blessing of the Lord makes one wealthy. Another translation says the blessing of the Lord makes one rich. Praise God. So I want you to enjoy the blessings of God and contend for the promises of God. Contend for prosperity. Contend for health. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Believe the scriptures. Believe 3 John verse 2. See, that's how you work it. You take the word. You hold on to it. You say that scripture is valid. New Testament doctrine. I am building my life around that scripture. Not my circumstances, not life experience. I'm building it on the Word of God, and I am making my life conform to the Word through my faith in the spoken Word, which is the revealed will of God. Prosperity and health. Please say that right now. Prosperity and health are mine. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now, at this time, knowing that God wants you to prosper, and God wants you to be healthy. Praise the Lord. Bring the tithe and offering into the storehouse of God, rejoicing in all that Jesus has accomplished for you at Calvary to make your life so wonderful, to make your life so sweet and so full. Praise God. Now, if you would like to bring the tithe and offering in online, you can do so now at this time. Please visit the ministry website of stephenbrooks.org. There is a link on the homepage called Tithes and Offerings, you can go there right now, click on that, and the tithes and offerings come directly into the ministry storehouse that empowers us and allows us to preach the gospel around the world. Hallelujah. If you would like to mail in your tithes and offerings, please send them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 3456, Mooresville, North Carolina, the, uh, the zip code 28117. Praise the Lord. Father, as your people are honoring you by bringing the tithes and even sowing seed, tithes and offerings into the storehouse, I thank you, O God, that prosperity and health are theirs. Now, Father, let it rest on them. If there are any who are struggling financially, let your word overtake their life. Let your promises overtake their life and displace negative circumstances. Father God, if there are any who are watching who have sickness and disease troubling their bodies, let your word overtake their lives in their bodies. Let healing come in now in the name of Jesus. Let sickness and disease be dispelled in the name of Jesus. Come out in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for health in our bodies. We thank you for prosperity in our finances. We thank you that it is forever settled in heaven and in earth through your spoken word. We rejoice in it. We receive it. We conform our lives to it. And we give you eternal praise and thanksgiving for it. In the name of Jesus, amen. Say, I'm blessed. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Now, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And we want to talk about the truth that the Christian life really is a race. It's not just a jog. This is not like a, a, you know, let's go out and do a little casual exercise. I want you to take this seriously. Your Christian life is a race. Woo! The race is on. Hallelujah. It's time for us to run with the Lord. Praise the Lord. So we are now in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I want to invite you to drop down to verse 24. If at all possible, I also want to invite you, please grab your Bible, open it up, so that you can see the scriptures with your eyes. It helps get the word of God into your spirit along with hearing and allowing that word to come in as well. Praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, as we go into your word, we ask that the word would come alive by the quickening power of your spirit. I pray for every person listening and watching, O oh God, that the path, the race, the course that you have for their life, 
that you empower them to complete it and to win. In the name of Jesus, we all say amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord forever. Verse 24, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. Praise the Lord. Well, Paul here writing to the church in Corinth knew that the people there were very, very familiar with the games that would take place once every three years there in that long stretch of the uh, the Isthmus Isle. That's what it was called. Very close to Corinth, just a little bit north of Corinth. Once every three years, they would have the games there. Look, these games were so big and so popular that it actually overshadowed another game series that would take place not too far away that was known as the Olympics. I know you've heard of that. The Olympics are still celebrated today. Every four years, we have the the Summer Olympics. Well, these, uh, these games that Paul were talking about took place just north of Corinth. So everybody was familiar with these games. You would have the most anticipated events would be the running events. You also had some strength events. You had boxing as well as wrestling. And for extra measure, they even threw in horse racing. Praise the Lord. And so in this area of the world within the Greek culture, you had four uh, types of games that were taking place. You had the Isthmian Games. You had the Olympic Games. You had the Pythian Games. And you had the Nemean Games. But these games that Paul is referring to, the Isthmian uh, Games, that's a tough word to say. Woo! Uh, these games were very, very popular, more than all of the others. Uh, as we know, the Olympics eventually kind of outlived uh, these other three. But at this time, these games in the backyard of the Church of Corinth were the most popular. Now, these games were very pagan in nature, and it would be kind of rare for a what we would consider a, you know, orthodox-type Jewish man to go to because the games were more than competition. It was a lot of uh, idolatry involved. There was a lot of open sexual immorality as well that was involved. And so the games were pretty, uh, in some ways, perverted. But the thing is, is that Paul can take real-life examples from modern-day culture, and he can draw parallels out of that that you can apply to your life. And I think that we can... We can safely do that. Even today's Olympics are pretty weird. If you ever watch an opening Olympic event or a closing Olympic event, you just see all sorts of pagan symbols and emblems, and it's just bizarre. It's really, it's really a lot of darkness. But nevertheless, there's still the athletic events, and it's fun to watch, and you can really catch some good things out of that. That's what Paul is talking about. Do you not know that those who run in a race, all run. Well, they, they were very familiar with these games, and he's talking now about the running events. And so those were the most anticipated events. The Greek culture always put a tremendous emphasis on running. They thought that if you're fast, you have some kind of special extra quality that, that puts you on a higher pedestal than others. So everybody wanted to see the running events. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. Now, you have to be careful as you read this verse that you don't miss really what the Holy Spirit is emphasizing here through the Apostle Paul. The focus here on this verse is not so much about running, you know, like life is a race, you know, in a sense, a Christian race. But what the focus is, is on being a victor and being a winner. And sometimes, in order to win, you really have to find out what the winners that are winning are doing. I, I think as we travel along in our life's journey with the Lord, with the Holy Spirit, the comforter, with the Holy Spirit, the counselor, and the advisor, you get smarter as you go. 
and you learn to take the shortcut. If you're the guy in the gym that's brand new and you're trying to build your muscles, you know what? Why don't you just save yourself a lot of heartache and a lot of wasted time and go over to the guy over there who looks like he got carved out of a, uh, out of a statue of granite with the muscles bulging, uh, with the 3% body fat, and just ask him what he's doing. And, and what you want to do is you want to take his, his wisdom, his routine, his strategy, and implement it in your life. Why? Because if it's working for him and you begin to apply that, uh, understanding that you can't just begin where he's at, but you can modify that, scale that down, and begin it at your platform, knowing that that will work. It's the same way with running. Really, if you want to win, you've got to find out what the champions are doing, because whatever they're doing, you're going to have to get into that same flow. You're going to have to get some wisdom here and find out really what it takes, not just to run, not just to compete. We're not in this just for a workout. We're not into this to compete, but, you know, finish somehow way back in the back of the pack. You're in this thing to win. Hallelujah. And that's what the focus on this verse is. It's all about winning. Well, uh, Pastor Stephen, we just need to give our, our best effort. No, you need to win. And it will, it, it will extract out of you your best effort. Absolutely. But I really want you to complete your life assignment that God has uniquely given you you to do in order to do that it's going to take every bit of your effort it's going to take uh digging deep and it's going to really take a commitment and you're going to have to really get after it praise the lord because you don't want to finish your life journey cross over to the other side and realize wow you know what i only maxed out 50 percent of my destiny and that's a lot of that's a lot of leftover destiny that you left sitting on the table. Praise the Lord. And this is, this is like leaving a lot of money on the table and just walking away. Well, I'm happy with what I got. Yeah, yeah, but look what you're leaving. And so in order to extract the full life experience that Jesus wants you to have, which is an exceptional life that he has planned for you, for every individual, as you come into Christ, your destiny begins to unfold. But you have to understand that in order to win, order to run and cross that finish line as a winner it's it's going to take you being very very committed to the plan of god for your life and pursuing staying motivated 100 percent every single day do you not know that those who run in a race all run you got a lot of people running okay but here's the point but one receives the prize i right right now i just want you to say that's me see you're going to be the one that's going to get the prize. This is an individual race, but you want to complete it and you want to win. Run in such a way that you may obtain it, that you may attain the prize. On these is, uh, is oh, that's a tough word. The is, uh, I-S-T-H-M-I-A-N games. That's for some reason a real tongue twister for me. Maybe I should have gone over it about 20 times. <laughs> but I thought, you know what? When I get on the set, I'll be able to get it out. Wow, that is a total tongue twister for me. I-S-T-H-M-I-A-N games. Well, if you are a winner in these games that Paul was talking about, you had a crown placed on your head that was fashioned out of pine, uh, like a pine wreath. They would take these little uh, skinny pine twigs with the uh, green needles on them, and they would fashion it into like a little crown wreath, and they would put it on your head. Honestly, anything made out of pine uh, on your head, that's sounding actually kind of uncomfortable. Well, over in the Olympic Games, they would use a olive wreath. I think that would feel a little bit better on your head. In the Pythian Games, they used a wreath made out of laurel. Well, that probably smelled nice. And in the Nemean Games, these were all Greek culture-type games. And those games, they used uh, parsley wrapped around your head. Well, after, after all, if you got tired of wearing your crown, you could at least eat it. You could just put it on your salad. Praise the Lord. Well, hallelujah. But the thing is, to get that crown, whoo, hallelujah, on your head meant that you paid the price. All of these athletes would be required to train for 10 months. You would have to separate. You, you can't just show up and say, hey, I think I'm pretty good. I'm going to race. Even today. You have the U.S. Olympic trials. You have to qualify. You have to meet a standard 
And even back then, 2,000 years ago, you have to uh, apply 10 months out, and you would have to go through all types of nutritional and athletic training to get yourself in shape. And even back then, those guys, when they showed up on the starting line, they were lean and they were mean because it was very, very intense training. Praise the Lord. So you have to understand that if you're really in this to win, thinking from a runner's perspective, there's a lot of factors involved here. What I want to share with you today is is how to go faster. Woo! Hallelujah. I believe you could run faster than what you're running right now. I'm talking about the course, the plan that God has for your life. You know what? It wasn't too many years back when there was a great runner. He was a young man, and he was running on the international circuit, competing in uh, what we would call professional track meets. A lot of those are held in Europe. And he would do really well. He had incredible talent, but he just could not break through to a place where he was winning. Because at that level, all the guys have incredible talent. And he thought, you know what? I, I am so frustrated because I feel I have, I have the potential to win Olympic gold. But I just cannot break through. And so after finishing a major international track meet where he finished in fourth place, he was just absolutely frustrated. And he said, I've done all I can do. I don't know what else to do. I am totally uh, in despair because I believe I feel that I could do better, but I don't know how. I just don't know how to beat these other guys. And so in his frustration, he reached out and made a phone call to a veteran coach. This was a man who was a former world-class athlete who won the Boston Marathon, who won the New York Marathon, who, who shattered and broke and set world records in these events, but now who has been retired for many years. Well, this young athlete, reached out, made a phone call to this, how can we say, wise guru coach, and said, hey, I believe I could do more. Can you help me to go to the elite level? And he said, yes, I know how to get you there, but you're going to have to be willing to uh, submit to my, my coaching, to my discipline, and you're going to have to begin to go through a regiment that, that I believe will take you to the top level where you will be the number one runner in the world. And the young man said, I'm willing to do it. Okay, so uh, they meet together in person. The coach shows up, and he has a notepad. But on the notepad, it's not just a training regiment where this is how many miles you run a day. Uh, we're going to set it up like this and blah, blah, blah. No, it's, it's way more advanced than that. First thing, you know, you st the coach starts going through his life. How many hours of sleep are you getting? Well, I'm getting six hours. That's not enough. That he says, that's not enough. If you're training at this level, you're going to have to get at least eight hours of sleep. Are you willing to make that adjustment? Yes, okay. I'm going to be, and the coach says, I will be monitoring your sleep time. You will be letting me know when you get up. You'll be letting me know when you go to sleep because you've got to get this sleep so that your body can recover properly. What time do you get up in the morning? This is when I get up, okay. You need to get up a little bit earlier because we're going to be putting some more mileage in in the morning, okay. And so all of these things begin to get... Uh, very focused attention where every little compartment of his life there was isolation where we go into these little areas we expand them we make those adjustments I'm talking everything from uh, sleep cycles to uh, your training regiment how many miles are you running today uh, and all of that uh, you know are we going to do it on the track are we going to do it on the dirt road or do you want to do it on a treadmill we're going to get all of that worked out and then we go into the nutrition because if you are a high-performance athlete, you cannot throw Twinkies and, uh, you know, and all this weird food in there. Everything has to be calculated. Everything has to be accounted for. We have to run a clean, nutritional diet. And so all of that, uh, they went through all of that. And even to the nitty-gritty, where posture was examined, uh, proper foot placement, proper hip placement, and there had to be adjustments made because the coach said, your hamstrings uh, are not strong enough. We have, a, we have an imbalance with the strength of your quads and the strength of your hamstrings. So we're going to have to start getting you on deadlifts. And so all of those things began to be incorporated. And so over a period of weeks, over a period of months, these new changes were implemented. And I tell you what, this guy took off. He took off, and he, he became, in some ways, almost like unbeatable. And he, he won 
the Olympic 5,000, won the Olympic 10,000, came back four years later, won the Olympic 5,000, won the Olympic 10,000 meters. Just an absolutely incredible runner. But oh, the commitment, the detail, everything in his life having to be structured around what it takes to be a champion. The coach said, where do you live at? He said, I live in this certain city. The coach said, well, if you want to be the best, you're going to have to move to this city so that you can train at altitude. Because if you train at high altitude as a distance runner, it will saturate the hemoglobin in your blood, and you will have, uh, in essence, a greater oxygen capacity when we go back down to sea level when it's time for you to race. So I, I'm telling you, it's very, very advanced training. It's not just go out and run. No, you have to get very very serious about this if you want to win if you don't want to win you just like want to go out and jog or you just or you're happy finishing way back in the pack uh this this teaching from the word of god might not really connect with you but look if you're tired of losing if you're just tired of falling short of the calling that god has for your life you're on the right verse you're on the right message you can be a champion you can win but you're going to have to make these adjustments, not just so that you can run, so that you can win. Wow. Hallelujah. Glory to God. It's very, very frustrating losing when you feel like you have the engine, the capability, the calling, the win, but you don't know how. Okay, so this is how you have to do it. You have to get very, very serious about the structure of your life, your walk with the Lord, very, very laser-like focus with what God has called you to do, that race, that path, that course that God has called you on. You can't be wasting time doing all kinds of things that God hasn't called you to do. You're going to be, have to getting real focused in on your prayer life, real strong on the Word so that your faith is strong, and just you just go. You go, and you have to be consistent. This is very, very important in your, in your walk, is that elite athletes... They can have a day, we'll call it a Sabbath day, where they don't push hard, but they still, they, they're still going to train. It's just called an easy day. In distance running, what it's called is, uh, and don't get me wrong when I say this, it's actually called LSD. I know that for some of you, you think that's a drug. Well, it's just, it's an acronym, LSD, Long Slow Distance, LSD. It doesn't mean you take the day off. It just means you take it easy. You go out and you just run 15 miles. I know that sounds crazy, but it's an easy run. You're not trying to run it fast. You're not trying to push yourself. You're not trying to run up hills. No, you just go out maybe with a couple of friends that are also elite athletes, and you go out and you run 15 easy miles. No strain. You talk. You joke while you're while you're running, and uh, and but you still have to get the miles in. But it's a rest day. Nobody's pushing each other. There's no competition in training. It's just fun. It's a lot of fun. I remember what it was like when I was in college. Uh, the coach would take us about 12 miles out of town and uh, just drop us off. There's about 10 of us, and that was our easy day. We'd just get dropped off, and we we jog back into town, slow and easy. You're not trying to kill yourself. You just, you're just putting the miles in. It's, it's like an off day, but you still have to train. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. You really... You need to be walking and running with the Lord every day. It's not like you just throw your Bible away and you stop praying. You need to be walking with the Lord every day. Why? You're in the race. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You're in a race, and God wants you to win. And I just have to let you know, I'm just shooting straight with you because I've been around world-class athletes. I've been around Olympians. I've talked to guys, I've, I've, I've seen them pull out their, their Olympic medals. If you really, really want to win, you're going to have to really refine your life. You're going to have to push yourself. I'm not just talking about making it to heaven. You, you can tell that's not the subject of today's uh, matter. We're not just talking about making it to heaven where you stumble in. Oh, I made it. Hallelujah. Saved by grace through faith. Hallelujah. Saved by faith through grace. Uh, enjoying the goodness of the Lord. I made it. We're talking about showing up in heaven as a winner. That your life assignment was fully completed and you cross over, watch this, in absolute total victory with your head held high, knowing that you achieved the calling that God had for your life. If that's what you want, you're going to have to really, really push it. It starts today. 
Hallelujah. Glory to God. Come on, get out your running shoes, spiritually speaking. Get out your jogging suit and get ready to go. Hallelujah. Praise God. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. You need to run in a way so that you win. Praise God. And that requires examining every facet of your life and conforming it into a way where your walk with the Lord and your assignment that God has given you is preeminent. And you are on that every single day of your life. Praise God. Hallelujah. Verse 25. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate or self-controlled in all things. In all things. Praise the Lord. I remember they were interviewing an Olympic gold medalist, world record holder, and they asked him what he had for lunch. He said, well, this is what I had for lunch. And he said, I would have liked to have had some more by, uh, uh, of this one item, but I know if I go above this certain uh, area uh, of my nutritional guidelines, that's a little too much. It's just a little too much, but that little too much will affect me in those final uh, 20 yards. When most others begin to tighten up, they're carrying just a little bit of extra fat. He said, I will be lean. I won't be carrying that, and that will help me actually have that edge on them. And what he was talking about was cottage cheese. Lord have mercy. He's not even talking about something that's kind of like, like pie or ice cream. He's talking about, I can't eat too much cottage cheese. I can eat some. Well, you and I both know that's already running pretty lean and mean. But this is a guy that set a world record and event that wasn't broken for over 20 years. It actually just got broken in the last Olympics that we had. But my goodness, you're talking about discipline and dedication. And so that's what it means. You have to be temperate in all things, self-controlled in all things. I need to tell you right now, I just need to be honest with you, that you will not be able to do some things that other Christians do if you want to really uh, live like this. I'm not saying that what they're doing is wrong. I'm just saying that if you want to run at this pace and you really want God to work with you, God to flow through you in your, in your specific career calling, uh, you, you don't have time to goof off. That doesn't mean you can't have fun. doesn't mean you can't enjoy life. But what Paul is saying is that you must be very temperate and self-control in every facet of your life if you want to be an Olympic gold medal caliber winner. Woo, hallelujah. They're unique. They're, they're, they, they have structured lives. They're very, very structured. And the more that you begin to do that, bring that conformity into your life, wow, you'll start pulling ahead. I mean, you'll just be like, okay, I feel the momentum. I'm moving now. And it feels good. It feels really, really good. So you're going to have to become temperate, self-controlled in all things, in all things. You can't stay up till 1.30 in the morning uh, watching uh, shows that have no spiritual edification and then expect that somehow you're going to be able to get up in the morning and pray. You will not be able to do it. So you have to be temperate, self-controlled in all things so that you can always stay on task and not get bogged down and let something disrupt the dynamic flow that you have of spiritual training. Now, they do it. We're talking about these, uh, athlete, these athletes, these runners. Now, they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Just mentioning the word athlete makes me laugh a little bit because the word athletic in the Greek, is very, very close to the word ascetic. Woo, watch out. Well, Pastor Stephen, that's some pretty intense training. I don't know about that. That sounds, that sounds ascetic. In the Greek, the word athletic, which refers to an athlete doing something that's, in, that's a disciplined form of training, is very, very close also to the word ascetic. And now, I am not for asceticism. I am never, ever for the harming or the hurt of your physical body. You need to take care of your body all the time. And, and don't ever try to break your body because you can break it. 
but you need to take care of your body. But what we're going to get into now is the element of spiritual athleticism, of training your body so that you mold it into a vehicle that, that you can use to go and serve the Lord with, and that responds to you in the way that it properly should. And so we also see the temporary things that in the natural world, from like runners, boxers, and things like that, they're, from an Olympic perspective, they're trying to win a very perishable crown. And you can imagine the crowns that, that were made out of plant material, they're not going to last very long, you know, maybe 10 years or 20 years. I know today that if you get an Olympic gold medal, you know, you can hold that. But I've seen guys that had their medals, and they passed it around and showed it to so many people that the face of the medal was actually wore off. You couldn't even read what it said. Now, you could see it's gold, but you couldn't even read any of their writing. You don't know what Olympic it was, whether it was 2012, 2016, or 1956. You don't know. They've handed it to so many people that the writing has actually wore off. So many ways these things can be diminished, and sometimes the medals are lost. Sometimes people, you know, just really even aren't, they aren't interested in it. But my friends, these things that people do where they lay their lives down and put themselves through these tremendous uh, endeavors for years to train for one event that only lasts for a few minutes. See, it's temporary, but what we're going for, what we're going for is something that has eternal reward and eternal glory. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore, I run thus. Now this is how the Apostle Paul does it. and I believe that he set a great example that we can follow, that the way that he trained, the way that he worked out, I want you to look at him as an Olympic world record holder, as a gold medal winner, that somebody that knew how to do it, that if we go talk to him and say, Paul, we want to know how to run like you ran, Paul says, this is how you do it. Now watch this. We see, first of all, in verse 25, that you have to be temperate, very self-controlled in all things, just like a athlete who has to watch his weight, who has to watch his calorie intake, cannot go to the buffet and just stuff himself with food spiritually. From a uh, spiritual perspective, you don't really want to do that either, where you just stuff and stuff yourself with food. It's very hard to pray. You want to stay light on your feet so that you can respond. Yes, enjoy your food. Eat a good meal. But you'll, you'll discover this in life. Food always tastes better when you stay hungry. Woo! Hallelujah. Glory to God. That, that, somebody, you're going to take that, and you're just going to be so blessed from that revelation as you walk this out in life. Food will always taste better when you stay hungry. So even as Prophet Kenneth Hagin said that the Lord Jesus came to him in a vision and said, I would be pleased if you live a life where you never eat all you want. Woo! Hallelujah. Even Prophet Hagen said that's, that's harder than periodic fasting because to live that life every day where you never eat all you want when that hamburger tastes so good, but you're halfway through it and you already feel full. Well, I'm not going to waste it, Pastor Stephen. I'm going to force it down. Well, why not save it? Why not put it in a box and take it home? Well, Pastor Stephen, it won't taste as good later. You know what? It might not. And it's really hard to stop sometimes because the truth is, oftentimes we eat for taste, not for nutrition. We're already full, but we just keep on eating because it tastes so good. World-class athletes don't do that. I'm talking about runners. World-class runners do not eat like that. And Paul is saying, if you want to move into this, you're going to have to be temperate and self-controlled as well. Praise the Lord. Now, verse 26, Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. He's giving a reference now to a runner and to a boxer. But I discipline my body. Wow. Please underline that little phrase, discipline my body. You know what? 
I love the Hebrew, and I studied the Hebrew, but the Greek to me is just absolutely incredible. I, I have more of a working knowledge of the Greek than I do of the Hebrew. And I, I think the Hebrew is marvelous, but the New Covenant, God actually chose the New Covenant to be expressed through the Greek language. It is so powerful with expression. When Paul said, I discipline my body, in, in the Greek, this actually means, and you can look this up through Strong's Concordance, through Vine's Expository Dictionary of New Testament Words, this actually means when it says, I discipline my body, it actually means to beat black and blue and to cause bruises, and it means to strike literally underneath the eye. Please, be careful with what I'm teaching. Don't hit pause or stop and go out and put on a pair of boxing gloves and start punching yourself in the face. I want you to catch the metaphorical imagery of what is being expressed here. I discipline my body. He's using this as metaphorical language to say, you're going to have to deal with your body if you want to win. If you really want to run at an incredible level, you're going to have to deal with your Adamic nature. You're going to have to deal with the flesh nature that is in every one of our bodies. And you have to knock it out, praise the Lord. So when it says, I discipline my body, in the Greek, what that actually means through symbolic word expression, what it actually means is to beat black and blue and even to bruise your body, and in reference to the boxer, it actually means to strike hard with an attempt to knock out right beneath the eye. That, that's why I like the Greek language so much, because you have, you have these incredible word pictures. And Paul is pulling from the imagery of runners, and he's pulling now also from the imagery of boxers. Wow. You're going to have to, you got to deal with your flesh. I remember when I was running in high school and running even more seriously in college, that to get up early in the morning and run, your whole flesh screams and says, I don't want to do this. Your body says, please let me lay in bed. Please just leave me alone and let me lay in bed. And you know what? It'll do that even if you've had enough sleep. Your body will still, uh, because of that nature of, uh, uh, of, of the Adamic fallen nature, of wanting to be lazy, of wanting to just to take it easy. But you know what? Discipline your body. Discipline your body. Hit it and say, no, no, you're getting up. Now, when I say hit it, I don't mean physically hit yourself. Remember, the word athleticism is very, very close to the word asceticism. Don't go into asceticism where you actually start hurting yourself and doing things where you punch yourself or you break your body. That's not what Paul is saying. This is allegorical. This is metaphorical. Praise God. Pull from the symbolism of these powerful truths, but nevertheless, get up and deal with your body. Say, no, no, I'm getting up. I'm going to go pray. I'm going to get into the Word. An athlete, a runner would say, I'm getting up. I have got to run in the morning. If I don't run in the morning, I can't catch up later and get enough mileage in. Those world-class marathon runners, the world-class middle-distance runners, they are running 140 miles a week. If you don't get mileage in in the morning, you will not be able to catch up later in the day. It's the same way with your prayer life, with your devotional life. You've got to go big in the morning. If you go big in the morning, now you already have a platform where you have accomplishment, where you have done uh, the necessary discipline training. And when you come on later, later in the afternoon to do your other training, it's so much easier because you already knocked the big chunk of it out. Praise the Lord. I discipline my body. That means to strike it and to bruise it and make it black and blue. Hallelujah. You're going to have to deal with your flesh nature. If you don't, it will never, ever really want to serve the Lord. Your flesh does not want to run with the Lord. Your flesh doesn't want to even go to the gym from a physical perspective. But you have to say, no, hallelujah. You're not going to tell me what to do. See, Paul said, I discipline my body. I, see, see the separation, I discipline my body. Well, that's, there, there's his body, but who is I? 
I as the spirit man. Remember, you are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. You are a spirit. You will live forever. You have a soul comprising your mind, will, and emotions. And you also have a physical body in which you live. But Paul said, I discipline my body. Who is I? The inner man. As Peter said, the hidden man of the heart. Paul called him the inner man, the heart of man, the spirit of man. I say, I'm getting up. I'm saying, I'm training. I say, I'm running. I say that I'm going to structure my life, make these necessary adjustments. I'm going to discipline my body. Look, it is part of the Christian experience. If you don't do this, if you do not incorporate this into your life, you will not be able to run at full speed and complete your course. I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. Here we go again. Another great reason why I love the Greek language. Please underline the phrase, bring it into subjection. You won't believe, well, you will, but this, you won't believe what this means in the Greek. This is absolutely so amazing. This is how Paul dealt with his body. Your body doesn't want to pray. I'm talking about not your physical body. I'm talking about the natural uh, Adamic nature of your body. Your body doesn't want to pray. Your body doesn't want to read your Bible. Your, your body doesn't want to live for the Lord. Your body just wants to watch TV, and your body wants to eat, and your body just wants to do whatever feels good. Okay, So you have to know how to deal with it. Paul said, I discipline my body. You hit it where it's black and blue, okay? I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. Okay, the phrase bring it into subjection in the Greek, get ready for this, actually means slave driver. Woo! Hallelujah. You, your inner man. Now, ladies, your inner woman. You're going to have to deal with your body. You're going to have to make it obey you. And this word, bring it into subjection, means that you become a slave driver. It, what it actually means is this is a reference to a person who takes captive a slave and forces them into submission and treats them with tremendous discipline so that they are forced to do what you tell them to do. It means slave driver or slave master. I discipline my body. You hit it so that it's black and blue and bruised and bring it into subjection. Now, I, I want to say something this morning. I want you to meditate on this. Your body, your body makes a great servant. It really does. Your body makes a great servant, but it makes a horrible master. Praise the Lord. Your body was never meant to dictate what it is of how you live. Your body was never designed by God to call the shots. No, your body is designed to serve. Serve who? Serve you. Your body is the house you live in. But, oh, if, if you let it go, if you just let it rise up and dictate, it's a horrible, horrible master. You know, I remember that when I was in college, I, I uh, was exposed to the Christian rock band called Petra. I, and, you know, coming out of a very staunch, you know, denomination that didn't allow any instruments in, in the church, you know, to go from that to Christian rock was a big step for me. But I kind of, you know, honestly, I liked the sound of it. And they had good lyrics. And, but I still, you know, it was all new to me. And so I, I was brand new to all of this. And so... I, uh, I saw a CD. This is when CDs were, you know, the new thing. So there was a guy uh, who was my next-door roommate. I had a roommate, and he was the room next to me. There was a guy that was playing Petra, Christian rock music, all the time. And I liked it. And so he gave me a CD to listen to, and I was looking at the names of the songs on the CD. And I was still kind of looking for a way maybe to reject this. I didn't know what to think about it. I, of course, didn't have enough sense to really know at that time that God was in it. Anything that gets people closer to the Lord, 
God's in it. Anything that's getting people saved from sin and into the kingdom of God, God's in it. And God was working through that Christian rock band. It still is today, actually. They've disbanded, but, you know, you got got all their uh, YouTube videos and things like that. So I took the CD. He gave me a CD to listen to, uh, Petra, Christian rock band. And I looked at the, the names uh, of the songs on the CD, and I saw one. I said, whoo. I, I told them, I said, hey, you know, I don't think I could listen to this stuff anymore. I, I, I don't think this music is good. There's a song on here called Killing My Old Man. I said, that's talking about killing your dad. That's talking about killing your father. And the guy just, the guy that gave me the CD started laughing. He said, Stephen, don't you get it? He, he said, that's not what it's talking about, killing your dad. Killing your old man. The song was called Killing My Old Man. That's in reference to your carnal nature, your old man. I said, oh, I can't believe I didn't catch that. I said, okay, I get it. All right, I want the CD back. I want to listen to it. But you have to be willing to kill your old man. I'm talking about the carnal, Adamic nature. Don't let it boss you around. Because if it does, you will not be able to run. You will not be able to function at that high caliber level where you're, that you're really moving with the Lord. Praise God. Where you're disciplined, you're focused, you're in the Word, you're in prayer, you're advancing on your assignment, you're rising up in life, you're prospering, you're being blessed, you're salt and light, you're, you're, just, you're operating in your anointing, and you're flowing. Okay, to really be like that, you're going to have to really, really be very disciplined in your life to the same degree that an Olympic athlete does in order to win, in order to win. If you make that commitment, if you put that into it, you will get out of it incredible results of winning, winning, winning. The Christian experience really is what you put into it is what you're going to get out of it. And so if you're willing to make these forms of discipline in your life standard procedure, you will begin to run with the Lord at an incredible pace. Paul said, I discipline my body. You beat it black and blue. That's what that means. And remember, don't do that to yourself physically. This is a metaphor. This is a, this is a word picture that Paul is painting that all the church in Corinth understood. I discipline my body. I hit it till it's black and blue, and I bruise it intentionally. Remember, killing the old man. Your old man has to be submitted. It has to be crucified. I discipline my body, and that's what, he's, that's what he's going after. That's what he's taking out. That's what he's knocking out cold. That's what he is making black and blue is that old man. I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. Wow. He's saying, I am a slave master over my body. Force it to submit. Hallelujah. You remember, your, your body doesn't want to pray, so just keep on praying. Keep on praying until that old man is just died off. Those old urges vanish. Praise God. Hallelujah. I think, I think in today's kingdom experience with the Lord, that perhaps we don't hear enough of this teaching that we really do need to try to make our best efforts. And when you make your best efforts, the grace of God flows so abundantly, flows so abundantly, but I really want to encourage you to give God your very best effort and run. And run. Now, look, not just run to run. Run to win. I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. I become a slave master over my body, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. The word disqualified doesn't mean that you'll lose your salvation. It doesn't mean you'll fall from grace. It just means that you would fall to a place where you're disqualified in a sense where there is so much impurity that God can't work with you because you're bogged down in things that you're not called to be doing. You're bogged down in things that, that are hindering your walk with the Lord. When it says, I myself should become disqualified, the word disqualified has elements in the Greek that speak of impurities in metal. 
and the metal cannot be used because there's too many impurities that are weakening the metal. And so because of the impurities, we have to set it to the side. Praise the Lord. But I believe that the fire of the Holy Spirit is purging, is flowing right now through you to purge out all impurities and so that you will have a heart and a desire to run with the Lord and to be in a place where just like the Apostle Paul, you say, my spirit is going to be in charge. My body is not going to be the master. No, my body is going to be the slave. And I want to say that if the Apostle Paul had to make special effort to keep this in line, that you and I are not going to be exempted from this either. We must step up to this high calling and stay walking with the Lord. Here's the thing. It's daily. The focus must always be on daily. All you have to do is win one day at a time, and that day will turn into days, and those days will turn into weeks, and those weeks will turn into months, and then you go from victory to victory, glory to glory, and faith to faith. So begin to run competitively to win spiritually today. Praise God. Hallelujah. Father, I pray for all that are watching that you quicken them to run with you so that they might win. I thank you, Father, that there's time, there's grace, there's anointing, there's empowerment, but they must stay moving quickly on a daily basis. Father, we thank you that Jesus said that if any man will come after me, he must deny himself, and that's denying the, the old man, the carnal nature. He must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. So, Father, we thank you for the daily experience of denying ourselves, the daily experience of the hitting, making it black and blue, the old man, the daily experience of bringing into subjection the flesh nature. Father, we give you praise. We give you praise. We thank you, Father God. We thank you, Father God, for focus and for the grace to run in the name of Jesus that that release of grace be imparted now into your people in Jesus' name. Amen. Don't ever let anything disrupt your, your, your running with the Lord. Don't let any, any other type of priority sneak in there and try to usurp your primary assignment, which is to walk closely with the Lord, to run with the Lord, and to stay on task with the calling that God has for you. Praise God. Amen. This is a day of running with the Lord. Well, let's take communion because that is a wonderful way of running with the Lord in an ongoing basis. Hallelujah. Make time. I want to encourage you. Make time daily to take communion. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. It's so sweet. It's so edifying and so strengthening to your spiritual life. Endeavor every day to make time to take communion in your devotional time. Father, we thank you for the bread and the juice. We sanctify it now as the flesh and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, grab your, grab your elements of the communion. We're going to take them together. They are now the body and the blood of Jesus. Praise God. So, Father, we thank you for the flesh of the Lord Jesus Christ, that as we receive it, we receive the strength to run, to walk with you daily. Hallelujah. Just like the Apostle Paul, walking in the footsteps of the great champions of faith, walking in the footsteps of the winners, we thank you, Father, for that grace being imparted into our lives today. We now receive the body, the flesh of Jesus and His grace to run. We receive it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's partake. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Father, we thank You for the blood of Jesus that cleanses all sin, that cleanses all lethargy, that cleanses all 
distractions that helps us to see our high calling and the great the great glory in living for you every day. Now, Father, we just thank you that as we drink the blood of Jesus, we thank you for the blood flowing, for forgiveness, mercy, and grace, and strength, and empowerment to live for you every day. Father, let the consistency of Jesus be in our lives as we receive his blood. Let the consistency to walk daily, to die daily, be released into our lives. We thank you, Father, that the more that we die, the more that we experience his life. We give you praise. His life flowing through us. We give you praise, Father. We thank you. We thank you, Father God. In the name of Jesus, we receive his blood now. Let's drink. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Stay on track. Stay on fire for the Lord. This is a week for miracles and breakthroughs in your life. They will come suddenly as you run with the Lord. They will come suddenly. See, when you run with the Lord, faith comes alive. Hallelujah. Faith comes alive. Stay in the flow. Hallelujah. Stay focused. Stay on. In discipline, stay on assignment, stay on track. Till next time, be blessed and keep running with the Lord. God bless you. Bye bye.